What's up, everybody? Chris here, back with another episode. I thank you so much for tuning in. I'm excited to dive into this one because we're going to go into a topic or a sport that really is near and dear to my heart. We're going to talk about running in this episode. Um, I grew up a runner. The first sport that I ever really competed in or succeeded in was cross country. And it was the primary form of physical fitness for me uh, for more than a decade. So I am excited to dive in today, but we're going to talk about not maybe specifically running and how to train for running and how to become the best runner you can. Uh, We're going to talk about how strength training can help you become the best runner that maybe you can be. Uh, Because strength training has very specific applications to your running. And if you can incorporate strength training into your regular training routine, uh, you will probably find that it improves your running performance over time. So we're going to dive into exactly how to do all of that, what the research says about strength training as it applies to running, and really map out specifically okay, what exercises should you be doing? What could a training session look like for you? Uh, and what could a weekly training routine look like for you? We're going to map out all of that good stuff here in today's episode. But before we do, uh, as always, I want to dive into the topic of uh, the day, just the thing that has been on the top of my mind today. And that is weight loss and progress and how we interpret those two things. So uh, what I want to make clear is that weight loss and fat loss are two very different things. Yes, they can both be seen on the scale, right? If you lose weight or if you lose body body fat, it can be seen on the scale as your weight drops. But they are two different things because fat loss is not always accompanied by a drop in scale weight. And what that means is that you can lose body fat, but not see your weight drop on the scale. Now, how does that happen? Well, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, For starters, the human body is very unpredictable and you can't expect that, well, if I'm burning a lot of energy every day, and I'm eating in a calorie deficit, my weight should drop day after day after day after day. And that's just not how this stuff works. It would be great if if it did. Uh, it would make my life as a coach great because I could just get everybody the daily results. Everything would track in the right direction and everybody would be happy. Uh, but that's not how it works because... Um, You know, the hormones that regulate our body fluctuate on a daily basis. Um, Your hydration fluctuates on a daily basis. Uh, Your sodium intake fluctuates on a daily basis. Your stress levels fluctuate on a daily basis. All of this stuff and more directly impact what your scale weight is on a daily basis. Uh, You know, things like sleep. How was your night of sleep last night? If it was shitty, you may wake up and see something you don't like to see on the scale. So many different factors from our day-to-day lives can be seen on the scale and they are unpredictable. So when we have all of this unpredictability, 
it can kind of cloud your vision and your view of what you're working towards and the progress you are or are not making and really mess with your head. And that's the unfortunate part of dieting and weight loss journeys that people go through. Um, and I think it's what causes a lot of people to quit. And that's really a shame. So I wanted to record this and I will share this on as many platforms as I can because like I said, weight loss and fat loss are two completely different things. You can be losing body fat without seeing a drop in scale weight. That is 100% possible because uh, say you're new to training and you you know get yourself in a calorie deficit, you start working out and the scale maybe isn't dropping regularly like you want to see. It's very possible that you're losing body fat while at the same time going through a body composition, a body recomposition process that, sh that shows that you're gaining muscle at the same time that you're losing body fat. And so your weight may remain stable, but your overall health and your overall body composition improve dramatically during that time. And, and this is what frustrates me and gets me upset for people because they quit because the scale doesn't move. They quit because the scale doesn't move and th because that's the only thing that they are monitoring. And I want to encourage you to monitor more than just what the scale tells you every day because there are many other things that you can monitor that tell you the whole story. Um, be and so to go back to that that example, uh, you're, you're recomping. You're having body recomposition going on. You're burning fat. You're building muscle. But the scale weight is not moving, so you quit. But you were doing everything right. You were doing everything right. You were getting healthier. You were improving your body composition. But because the scale didn't move, you quit. So here are a few other things that you can monitor on your own to help you get a better global view of the weight loss or body recomposition process. Okay, let's dive into these. So obviously, the you know number one is the scale, and we've mentioned that before. Now, I know I've kind of just taken a few minutes here to shit on the scale, but yes, it is a data point, and it's an important one, but it's not the only one. So that's that's one of them. Uh, another one, taking waist measurements. Uh, waist measurements are really good. If we go back to the scenario that I just painted for you of body recomposition. Waist measurements are really good because they're going to show you a better idea of the recomposition that's happening. Because if the scale weight's not moving, but your waist measurements are going down, well, then you have a number. And people love to have numbers that say, hey, you're making progress because five is greater than four or six is less than seven. You know, people love having numbers and I get it. So there's a tangible one that you can add to the scale weight and monitor that over time. Take those once a week or once every two weeks. Another one, progress photos. You should be taking progress photos because, uh, and you should start with that at the very beginning. When you start your weight loss journey or whatever your goal is, take progress photos from the front, from the side, and from the back and save those somewhere. And then, you know, when you get discouraged or you feel like you're not making progress or the scale's not moving, take photos again and compare them. Because I bet you, if you have things dialed in, if you're in a calorie deficit, if you're, you're working out on most days of the week, I bet you 
that you have made progress and those progress photos can show it to you. Are your clothes fitting better? That's another one. You know, that seems like kind of like subjective, but you know, is there more room in your waistline? Are you able to fit into a shirt that you haven't fit into in a while? Uh, these are real markers of progress, okay? So consider that one as well. How do your clothes fit now? And how does that compare to when you got started? And how do you feel? That's the fifth and final one. How do you feel? Again, this is another one that maybe seems subjective, but like if you're putting all the pieces together and the scale weight's not moving, but on a daily basis, you feel more energetic, you feel healthier, uh, you're making progress in your workouts. So your performance is improving in your workouts. Again, that is a surefire sign that you're making progress and you need to keep doing what you're doing and don't quit. This has really been uh, bugging me lately because I've seen a lot of people just get frustrated with the scale and you haven't been paying attention to anything else that's going on or you haven't been giving it the credit that is due and you quit and you abandon everything, all the good things that you were doing. So don't focus solely on the scale because it doesn't tell the entire story. All right, and with that, let's dive into the topic of the episode, which is diving into the best strength training program for runners. Um, and like I said at the beginning, you know, strength training really can complement your running. You may not immediately think of that because running is an endurance sport and lifting is not an, is not really an endurance sport. So strength training might not be the first thing that comes to mind when you're trying to get better as a runner, uh, but it should be. And there's a lot of research evidence that shows us that strength training can complement your running and improve your performance over time. So let's dive into some of the specifics about how these two forms of training can complement each other. And we can go right into research evidence on strength training for runners. So for starters, building muscle and increasing your strength can lead to uh, improved muscular endurance. And muscular endurance, I think it's pretty clear, that can lead to better performance uh, when you're running. You, you know, if you're a distance runner, if you're competing for things like a 10K or a half marathon or a marathon, uh, endurance is, is really important. And lifting weights can help with that muscular endurance. So that's a big win right off the bat. Um, there's some other research studies that point us in a positive direction in terms of strength training for running. Uh, in 2016, uh, there was a study that found a unanimous, large, beneficial effect of strength training, uh, and this was in middle and long distance runners. Uh, these runners in the study saw improvements in their running economy, which more or less means they improved their steady state running capacity. So you know, like when you go out for a run, and you maybe start slow and you work up to that, whatever that pace is that you like to stay at for the majority of the run, that's kind of your steady state running capacity. That improved over time with strength training in this study. There's a study from 2010 uh, that determined that runners who did lower body strength training with squats, as compared to runners who did not do that, uh, those who did the squats had significantly more force production, uh, an increase in running economy, which we just talked about, and a 21% increase in running to exhaustion on a treadmill. That's the endurance piece uh, that we talked about before. So um, another feather in the cap of strength training. Force production is really important, especially for um, 
you know, acceleration for running. So there's a reason why if you watch the Olympics or anything like that, you, you see sprinters. Uh, there's not a lot of sprinters that male or female are like tall and skinny. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're mostly pretty jacked. And the reason for that is because they do a ton of strength training because they want to accelerate as much as they can and get to that finish line as fast as they can. And strength training improves their force production into the ground, which improves their ability to sprint. And at some point in your run, you're probably going to want to pick up the pace and do so as efficiently as you can. And this study shows that strength training can help with that. And a third study that I wanted to mention found that a strength training program uh, for runners that consisted of two to three sessions per week uh, in the off season, which is basically the time of training that is not specifically geared toward, toward a race. So you have like your race prep, which might be four weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks, depending on when the rate, what the race is. And then you have your off season uh, where your training is a bit more flexible. So during the off season, these runners who strength trained had uh, significant improvements in their VO2 max. And once again, in their running economy. And then those runners who did that strength training two to three times a week, when they moved into their race prep, you know, phase of their year, they continued to train once a week. And by continuing to train once a week during their race prep, they were able to maintain the strength gains that they achieved in the off season when they trained two to three times a week. The, the runners who did not continue to strength train during their race prep, they saw the strength gains that they made deteriorate over time because they stopped strength training. So overall, that's a lot of research evidence that shows us, hey, strength training can be pretty damn beneficial. I, I hope that I painted that picture well for you. So now that we know that, what what is the best strength training program for runners? How can we put this all into practice? Here are four steps that you can take to start to build your own strength program uh, and start to work in the right direction to have strength training you know, associate well and supplement your actual running performance. So the first step is every strength training program should be individualized. So there are some staple movements like the squat and the deadlift that seem to, for most people, work pretty darn well when it comes to getting stronger and progressively getting stronger over time. But that doesn't mean you have to do a specific form, one specific form of the squat or the deadlift. There are a bunch of different variations that you can use. So for the squat, a lot of us think squats is the barbell back squat, and that is a great exercise to do, but you could also do things like box squats, uh, Bulgarian split squats, goblet squats, uh, the list goes on and on. And for deadlifts, we think conventional barbell deadlifts where uh, you stand over the bar, you bend down, and you pick it up. Uh, but you know there are sumo deadlifts where you change your stance a little bit, and that works uh, different pathways and different muscles in your body. Uh, there's Barbell Romanian deadlifts, which are very, you know, central, centrally focused to the hamstrings. Uh, there's dumbbell Romanian deadlifts. And again, the list goes on and on for deadlifts as well. So uh, all of those variations and more kind of easily allow you to add weight over time, to make progress over time, and to focus on things like explosiveness and speed and other factors that are going to kind of target 
strength development very well. So uh, depending on what your experience is and your comfort level is, you can play around with exercises that you feel comfortable with and that you find that you can progress with over time. And I think that's a really good place to start. And then we can move on to step number two uh, that complements step number one. And what we're doing here in step number two is we're choosing accessory movements that complement the main compound exercises. So we talked about squats and deadlifts. Those are probably good to incorporate in some form or fashion. Um, and then you can choose other accessory movements. And by accessory movements, I mean typically non-compound movements. So a compound movement or a compound exercise is going to involve multiple joints. So a squat is a compound exercise because uh, your knees are bending, your hips are bending. That's two joints uh, in your body that are moving together to complete the lift. Uh, deadlifts are the same. Um, and uh, there are a bunch of different other compound exercises. But So a squat would be a compound exercise that targets your quads. Um, a leg extension only involves one of the joints in your body, which is the knee joint. Now, leg extension is where you're sitting at a machine and you're kicking your legs forward, specifically using your quads to lift the weight up. Uh, that's what I mean by accessory movements. So movements that, exercises that are typically single joint exercises and they target a specific muscle or muscle group. So choose those accessory exercises to complement the compound movements that you're doing. Step number three, I want to make this very clear. Just because we're trying to complement your running performance, that doesn't mean we neglect the upper body altogether. You 100% should include your upper body in your strength training program. Now, if you're doing three days a week, maybe you only have one upper body day and two lower body days, that might make sense. But make sure you are also working the musculature of your upper body. And step number four, you want to manage your training volume. Now, this is where it probably gets trickiest for most people because if you're a serious runner and you want to seriously improve uh, your running performance, you're probably running a lot. And then if you add strength training to the mix, it could be easy to overtrain. It could be easy to be doing way too much and get yourself in a situation where your body cannot recover from the amount of training that you're doing. So uh, I put together some benchmarks in terms of training volume, and I'll walk through those now. So if your training status as a lifter for strength training, as that pertains to you, if you would be considered a beginner, I would suggest maybe doing three to six sets per muscle group each week when you're lifting weights. If you are an intermediate strength trainer, I would say between five to 10 sets per week uh, for each muscle group. And then if you are advanced in lifting, uh, you could probably go from eight to as many as 15 sets per week uh, for each muscle group. Those are good general places to, to start. And then from there, you know, you can play around with your training volume to see how much lifting can you do and still improve your running performance. If you get to a point where you're increasing your training volume with your strength training and you start to see that your recovery is negatively impacted or your actual performance while running, if that's negatively impacted, then it's probably time to scale things back a bit. But those are good places 
to maybe get you started. So let's talk about then what a sample strength training program for runners looks like. Let's first start with the day of the week, okay? Uh, each day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, so you could have three lifting days and three running days out of the week. And then you have one day that is specifically for rest. So hypothetically, Monday could be your first lower body day. Uh, Tuesday, you follow that up with a short distance run because you just lifted legs the day before. You probably don't want to go too crazy trying to run while your lower body is still recovering. Now, after that short distance run, you can hit an upper body day on Wednesday. Your uh, lower body would be recovering on that day and then hopefully be fresh for Thursday when you could do your longer distance run of the week. Whatever your long run is that week, you could hit that on Thursday. And then luckily, Friday, we have it set up for you as a rest day so that after that long distance run, you're taking Friday to rest and recover, get yourself back to baseline. Because then on Saturday, we're going to hit your next lower body day. And then Sunday, we have a a run for time. Uh, And what that means is it's normally... um, somewhere distance-wise between your short-distance run and your long-distance run, but we're focused specifically on pacing in that Sunday run for time. And this is theoretical, so I'm not telling you to do exactly this, but this is an idea of how you might be able to bring all of this together. And you know, since we're talking specifically about strength training in detail on this episode, let's talk about what those strength training sessions could look like. So your first day is a lower body day. And we can focus specifically on this first lower body day on the quads. So we'll give it a quad emphasis. Uh, You start with uh, barbell back squats and then follow it up with Romanian deadlifts to hit your hamstrings, do standing calf raises to work your calves, then uh, a single leg bridge. And finally, you'll have anchored sit-ups because we don't want to neglect your your core and your abdominals. That could be lower body day number one. Now, upper body day is the second strength training day in that hypothetical week we just went through. Started off with dumbbell bench press. You're hitting primarily your chest there. Uh, Follow it up with a seated row. So we're hitting the back. We'll do some tricep extensions, some dumbbell bicep curls, hit the arms. That's always a lot of fun. That's important too. Uh, do some dumbbell shrugs and some dumbbell lateral raises. And really with all of that, you're going to polish off your chest, shoulders, triceps, and back and biceps and uh, do some pretty good work there. And then we'll wrap things up with the third strength training session of the week, which is your second lower body day. And we'll have a focus on the hamstrings. So we'll knock out some conventional deadlifts uh, to start this this training session off. We'll follow it up with some goblet squats. Again, we'll hit those standing calf raises, do the single leg bridge, and then mix things up with the core exercises and do some flutter kicks. Uh, That's another good one that can engage the core. And that's it. Uh, If you have any... Uh, questions or want more information about these specific exercises or what these specific training sessions look like or what that week looks like. I have all this information on my website. Uh, it's in an article called the best strength program, the best strength training program for runners, excuse me. And, uh, you can either Google Chris Gates fitness and that article title, or go to my website, click on articles and you'll find it in there. And uh, I have all that information set up for you. You can click on each of the exercises to see what they look like. Uh, I think it's a really good article and hopefully will help you out quite a bit. But 
Um, that that's it in a nutshell. You know, this is all a lot of this has been theoretical in terms of uh, what you might do and in what order you might do it. But I think this could get you off to a good start. And like we talked about earlier in the episode, the the evidence is there, man. Like it's strength training. It's not just running either. I'm thinking about doing a series where I talk about other sports and how strength training can can help you uh, if it's a sport that you participate in. But it's it's no joke. Strength training is kind of a, a miracle elixir for a lot of different sports and just your overall health as well. So I would highly encourage you to give this consideration if you're a runner, even if you're a casual runner. Uh, it can make your runs more enjoyable to have that strength, uh, have that endurance, and you know, be able to power through the runs. Uh, I think you'll find that it makes going for runs more enjoyable, easier, and might let you run farther and longer if that's something you're interested in. But that's going to wrap this episode up. Thank you all so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it helpful. I loved putting it together for you. And, uh, I'm excited to check in again soon with the next episode. So thanks again for listening. I appreciate you all, and I'll talk to you again soon. See ya.